What would our world be without leaders, innovators, and kingdom builders? Welcome to Under the Crown, where you get inside the twisted minds of our host, Trey Carmichael, and the kings and queens in his circle. Covering leadership, marketing, sales, recruiting, management, and so much more. Under the Crown is here to help you build your kingdom. Are you prepared for the siege? What's going on, guys? It's your man here, Trey Carmichael, coming at you with another episode of Under the Crown. And today I'm here with my man, AJ Wilcox. And I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about what he does and why he does it for the people who don't know him. Awesome. Well, thanks, Trey. Uh, as you said, I'm AJ Wilcox. I'm the founder of an agency called B2Linked.com. And we're an ad agency that only does LinkedIn ads, hyper-specialized. Uh, we've, we're official partners of LinkedIn. We spend over $150 million on the platform. Uh, just deep, deep expertise there, which all stemmed from me at a previous company realizing that LinkedIn ads were incredibly successful and realizing that's probably not the only company who needs the help. So started back in 2014 and uh, deep expertise, excited to be here and share very, uh, all the failures and all the wins. Awesome, man. Well, let's dive into the King's journey. Like who were you before you got into the agency space and into all this incredible stuff that you do today? Well, it's really funny because I never would have considered myself an entrepreneur. Uh, if you would have asked myself, well, actually, I'll, I'll give you an uh, I'll give you an example. Back in college, I went and attended a whole bunch of these meetup groups uh, around startups and founders. And every time I talked to someone, they'd say like, "Oh, what are you working on? Or what are you starting? Or what do you want to do?" And I was always like, "Oh, I, I come for the energy. I really like what you guys are doing, but I'm not really, I'm not really the style." And what happened was, I, I grew up in a really fiscally conservative home. My dad was a, a banker. He, he was in banking for like 25 years. And every time I talked to him about something that was uh, entrepreneurial, he would call it risky. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was how I grew up. Well, what happened is at this last company I was working for, I had grown their LinkedIn ads account from like two campaigns as a pilot to becoming LinkedIn's largest spending account in the world at the time. Wow. And uh, so I was running the biggest account. I had amazing relationships with internal folks at LinkedIn. They cared about what I had to say and my feedback. And then the company let me go. And so I got to say to myself, all right, well, I could, I, I have probably more expertise on this platform than anyone else in the world has. I could either go and try to get a job at one of these companies who hoping that LinkedIn ads would be a strong channel for them, or I could start my own thing. And uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty deeply religious. And so what I did is I made it a, a, a um, a matter of prayer. And I, I had four different job opportunities where they were saying, hey, we want to bring you on. It was for more money than I'd ever been offered before. And, and everyone I prayed about, I got the feeling that was like, nope, turn them all down. And out of desperation, I was like, well, what about this idea I've had of uh, a, a niche agency or maybe a consultancy just around LinkedIn ads? And the answer I got was, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Go pursue that. And so I call myself an unlikely entrepreneur. I'm kind of in the driver's seat, uh, not because I ever thought I would do it, uh, but because I, I feel like a higher power uh, was coaching me on. That's incredible, man. 
So what was it like? What was it like making that leap from working for another company to to doing it yourself and being the entrepreneur? Like, what were some of the mindset barriers that you had to break through? Oh, first of all, it was so scary. Uh, mindset barrier wise, uh, I had, I, I've always had this uh, um, need to do everything myself. And mm-hmm. as you know, when you run a company, you can't do it all yourself. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to get rid of some of your job duties and pass those along. Uh, the very first one that I did, I was like, ah, I, I could hire some, some maybe interns or something, but I still want to be the one who talks to the client. And I realized very quickly, I filled up my entire bandwidth and it meant there was no more bandwidth to actually do marketing or do more sales or really give these clients what they deserved. And so at some point I had to give up, okay, I'm going to allow my employees to manage accounts. Uh, giving up sales was another one. I, I call myself a terrible salesperson and I hate selling. But at some point when my schedule was all full of selling and I couldn't do the other things that were going to help the, you know, the whole kingdom move forward, um, I, I had to give that up. Every one of those was, was tough. Uh, I will say the, my favorite part about making that shift though, I woke up one morning and just felt relief that I controlled my calendar because at my previous company, my calendar would just get filled up by like my boss or boss's boss would put stuff on there and I'd have all these regular meetings. But as soon as I was on my own, I could go, well, hey, if I want to go skiing next weekend or next Wednesday or something, I'll just block it off on the calendar and I get to do what I want to do. That was really refreshing. That's true freedom, man. Awesome, man. So who should and shouldn't be using LinkedIn ads to grow their businesses? It's a really important question because if you've heard anything about LinkedIn ads, most likely what you've heard is they're expensive. And it's absolutely true. The average cost per click, that means anytime someone from your target audience clicks on your ad to see more information, it's going to cost you between about 8 to $14. And if you're running campaigns on Facebook, for instance, you might be paying 3 to $4 per click. Uh, for similar kind of business-to-business approaches. So you have to ask yourself, well, what makes it worth three, four, five times what you'd be you know, paying for on Facebook or, or other platforms? And the really simple reason here is that LinkedIn lets us target by everything you want to be able to target from a business-to-business perspective. We can target by job title and seniority and the skills people have on their profiles and what groups they're members of we can target by specific company names to deliver really highly targeted messaging. So with that, it basically means if you have a high enough lifetime value from when you close a a customer, let's say it's $10,000, $15,000 or more, then you'll be able to easily afford the higher cost per click at the front end. So if you have an audience that needs to be reached uh, by who they are professionally, and you have a high enough lifetime value to, to, effectively show a return on your investment that's who should be advertising on LinkedIn. okay so say somebody has a they have a high ticket offer they have a decent closing rate how much of a budget do you think that they should be ready to set aside to actually take on linkedin ads effectively i would recommend don't run linkedin ads for less than a five thousand dollar a month budget it's certainly you're able to do it like if you're taking it on yourself um, you could advertise as little as $10 a day. But you know, from what I've seen, 
and I've seen a lot of it, it's, it's kind of a race to the data. You don't want to just advertise and spend dollars. You may want to, but you're not going to just spend a few dollars and immediately see the results. You're going to try audiences that work, audiences that don't, offers that work, audience, you know, offers that don't, um, messaging that works, messaging that doesn't. And so you really need some data to tell you what is worth investing more in. And I, I found it around that $5,000 a month mark is when you can drive enough data to very quickly identify what's working, what's not, and capitalize on what is working. Awesome, man. So say somebody knows they need to run LinkedIn ads, but maybe they're not ready to hire somebody to do that for them. And they're, they want to get it going. What are some of the first steps that they should take to actually get started with ads effectively? Ooh, uh, great question. I, I advertise on a lot of different channels. My background was advertising on Google and I've learned Facebook, learned LinkedIn. And what I found with every single new channel I start, I start with, with these high hopes of like, hey, I'm, I'm going to wake up Friday morning and I'm going to get, you know, learn this new platform and get ads launched. And I always find that the platform is more complex than what I was expecting or requires something that I don't already have. And, and I get delayed. So what we did is we created the guide that I wish that I would have had when I started advertising on LinkedIn. And it's totally free. Anyone can go just download it. Uh, it's b2linked.com slash checklist. And it's a list of uh, the eight things that are required to advertise on LinkedIn, plus a whole bunch of other helpful things that you should uh, keep in mind if you want to get a little bit more advanced. Awesome. So... What are some of the things that someone should have prepared to actually run an effective campaign? Like what, what are the, what, what campaigns perform effectively on LinkedIn? I think you should definitely have some sort of an offer that people are willing to engage with. And when I say offer, it really could be anything uh, from like, come read this blog post to talk to my sales team. But when you, you can ask anyone in an ad to do anything, there are certain types of things that, let's say you're advertising to a cold audience, a cold audience is probably not going to respond to, hey, hop on the phone with my sales rep or buy something now because you haven't earned their, their trust. They don't know, like, or trust you yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you have some sort of an offer, a lot of advertisers start with things like, here's a free checklist or cheat sheet or a free guide, a free webinar. And you know, in exchange for that free content, then they fill out a form and essentially identify themselves to the advertiser. And then you, the advertiser, can work on following up with that person to start a conversation that eventually turns into a sales conversation or a sales relationship. Awesome, man. So when it comes to LinkedIn, is there a specific strategy that works best when it comes to actually scaling those campaigns and increasing your budgets? Uh, yeah, so we could have a long conversation about scale, but essentially, most people who don't understand how LinkedIn advertising works, they go in and create an audience that is uh, descriptive of who they want. Let's say it's a certain list of job titles and they take LinkedIn's recommendations on how they should bid and they set their budget where they want and then they let it go. If they're happy with the performance and they say, okay, now I want to scale up. The only way to scale up is to increase your budget and bid more aggressively. So let's say to reach additional audiences, you have to bid 20% more. So let's say you're spending $5,000 a month and now you want to spend 10,000. 
let that 5,000 a month, uh, let's say you were bidding and getting like $10 clicks, but in order to double your budget, you now have to bid like $12 per click in order to qualify to get that more traffic. And so now your costs across the entire platform have gone up by 20%. Your clicks cost 20% more, which means your conversions are going to cost 20% more, et cetera. So mm. what we've figured out is instead of creating just one broad campaign that if you want to scale, you're going to have to pay way more, what we do is create these little micro segments. They earn a lot of trust with LinkedIn. They don't end up costing nearly as much. And then when it comes time to, to scale up, we have a really good feel for like, hey, there are eight campaigns here. These two or three are doing great. Let's feed them. These others aren't doing great. Let's keep them where they're at. And then you, you have a lot more control over your scale while keeping efficiency. Awesome, man. So when it comes to when it comes to advertising on LinkedIn, on the majority of platforms, it takes multiple touch points. Like how many touch points on average are you seeing it seeing for it to actually convert on LinkedIn? It's all over the board. It's really, really difficult to come up with one number to say. Um, I, I will say we've had clients who convert on the very, very first click. Uh, one comes to mind. It was a it was a helicopter taxi that would take people from downtown LA into Orange County and and back. And I told the client, I was like, "There's no way that we're going to be able to get people to open up their wallet and hop on a helicopter tomorrow. It's just not going to work." And they said, "Well, let's just try and see." Well, turns out there is demand for those like Fortune 1000 executives to be able to make it on time to their morning meetings or their their uh, board meeting or whatever. They'll they'll pay $250 for a helicopter ride in the morning. So um, every once in a while you'll see that. But I would say most of the time you have to get someone to know, like, and trust you. The fastest way to do that is with video. So getting someone into something like a webinar or getting them to watch video trainings or a course. Uh, or an online event of some kind, if you watch me on video for five minutes, you're probably going to know, like, and trust me hundred hundreds of times better than if you read, you know, if you spent the same five minutes reading a whole bunch of my white papers or blog post content. So that would be my recommendation, but you definitely have to go in with the mindset of like, I'm going to address a whole cold audience, let them know who I am, and then keep nurturing them down until they're ready to have a sales conversation. Awesome, man. So what is your thoughts on remarketing campaigns and the retargeting? Is that something that you think about or do you only retarget on LinkedIn? Yeah, I really, really love retargeting technology. I know it's taking quite a bit of a hit with third-party cookies going away. Mm -hmm. um, you know, little by little, we're, we're seeing that take a hit. LinkedIn has never had really good retargeting. And so I, what I always suggested was use LinkedIn where you can define exactly who the right people are, drive them to your website. And then once they get there, have Facebook and Google retargeting and remarketing, follow them around and, and keep you top of mind. Uh, LinkedIn's website retargeting hasn't gotten any better. In fact, it's probably getting worse with cookies going away. But what has gotten better is they've released all of these ways to retarget people by the actions that they take on LinkedIn. So you're not relying on a cookie to communicate who someone is. If you're on LinkedIn, you're logged in and they know exactly who you are. So when you visit my company page or when you fill out one of my forms on LinkedIn or uh, watch at least 25% of my video ad, 
now I can put you into a retargeting audience. And anytime you're back on LinkedIn, I can keep showing you something because I know what action you took. So that would be my recommendation is retarget on LinkedIn anytime you can, wow. but also retarget on Facebook and Google for any time they're not on. Wow. So LinkedIn definitely offers us a plethora of targeting options. What are some of your favorite ones to leverage just to try to tighten that conversion? I start with thinking about every audience in two pieces. I have the professional, his or herself, and then I have the type of company that they represent. So if you want to nail down the type of company they represent, generally I'm doing that by company size and uh, and or possibly their industry. And then you start layering on, okay, we have the right kind of company. Now, who is it in that company that we want to reach? And I reach them with four different combinations usually. It's job title, which makes sense. But a separate campaign, you can have department plus seniority, if that's not too broad. Then you can do skills plus seniority as a third campaign mm -hmm. variation. And then groups plus seniority. Basically, anyone who's joined a group about the topic that you're going after, um, if they have the right level of seniority, they're probably your audience. And if you combine all four of those with the company size and or industry, generally you have a pretty awesome initial setup and can get a feel for like how your audience is reacting to any of your offers. That's awesome, man. So managing millions of dollars worth of ads on LinkedIn like, there's absolutely no way that one person could do that themselves. I know that you mentioned that that was one of your struggles through your journey and one of your shifts was getting all of that outsourced to your team. Uh, what were some of the ways that you overcame that hurdle and actually got it down to where you could effectively outsource that to your team and maintain the result level? Uh, very painfully, in short. What you have to do as an entrepreneur, I know this is probably not uh, news to you or anyone in your audience, but what you have to give something up to your team, but you also have to make sure that they're highly trained. And uh, the stat I've heard, and I, I can't remember who, who it's sourced from, maybe you know, um, but they say, if you can find someone who does the task 80% as well as you, you can work with that. And yeah. so that was my thought is anyone I hired, I would sit with them uh, the entire time and, and look at every account with them, look over their shoulders until I felt pretty confident that, that they could do 80% of the job. And then always make sure that that line of communication is open. So they feel not intimidated to like go to their boss, uh, come to me and ask like, Hey, I've, I'm seeing something I, I don't recognize. Can you help me out with that? So now I'm to the point where with my employees, we, we do have like above our account managers, we have directors. So they get most of the questions, the kind of the simple ones, but then they'll bubble it up to me if there's something that they don't know the answer to. And that's allowed me to, to make sure I'm, I'm really sharing the vision. Here. Awesome, man. Is there anything in particular that you do, do during that onboarding and training process to make sure that they actually feel comfortable coming to y'all with those problems? Um, it was really easy when it was just me training people because they trained with me. They, they knew I'm a normal person. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as we got that layer of directors between um, the account managers, it, it, I, I think there's kind of this ivory tower syndrome where mm -hmm. even though I tell them, Hey, I want to hear from you, like schedule time with me whenever there's just that little bit of resistance 
in them to actually do that, it feels a little scary. Um, so we've, we've taken all kinds of different actions and measures internally, just trying to make it more comfortable. Uh, what I did for a while when we were all in person for a little while, um, I would go in twice a week and just have open office hours where like, hey, I, I'm in the room that you have to go through to get to your, your desk. So if you don't see me talking to someone, come pop by and just have a conversation. That was helpful. I also started doing what we call our mind freak sessions. Every Tuesday, we get the whole team on Zoom uh, for me to just teach them about a principle and some new advanced topic of LinkedIn ads. And, and it allows me to train people, but also I ask for a lot of feedback and a lot of, of like their answers to questions uh, to make it as conversational as possible so they feel comfortable talking to me. I, I don't think I've cracked that nut yet, but we're definitely working towards it. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing because the majority of businesses, they are very much neglecting how they actually connect with their employees. And at the end of the day, a lot of the business owners these days don't even know the names of the people that are managing their social media accounts. And their social <laughs> right. media accounts are literally the lifeblood of their business for a lot of these people. That's where they generate the majority of their leads. It's where they get the pulse to their audience, but they don't even know the name of the person that manages those things. So I, I do just, I honestly do want to commend you for that, just for, do, just for doing that. Cause that's one of the things that people end up coming to me. And that's one of the things that I have to address first oftentimes is where is the actual communication between you and different departments of your company? No one knows what's going on. It's like a chicken with its head cut off is the literally the best way to describe how most businesses operate. Oh, but thanks for that. It's, it's uh, something I learned very early on at one of my first companies. It was the first bigger company I'd worked for. It only had like two or 300 employees when I first started. And I would keep seeing the CEO every time I like we'd cross paths going to the bathroom or whatever. And uh, he didn't know my name for a couple of years. I worked there and he never learned my name. And I know I was just, I was down on the totem pole. I was, you know, an SEO, an SEO manager and then a team lead. And so I, I was not on the executive team, but boy, I, I don't know how big my company is going to ever get, but no matter how big it gets, I want to make sure that I know everyone's names and, they feel like they can actually connect with me. That's incredible, man. So just keep that up. Uh, I commend you for that. So, oh man, wow. I completely lost my train of thought. That's the <laughs> first time that's happened in a while. I'm gonna have to have them do a little cut on this. Oh no my worries. God, what even? All right, man, so. When you first jumped onto this call with me, one of the things that really stood out to me was just your overall energy. I've interviewed a lot of people, and as far as building rapport, it was one of the fastest that I've ever felt comfortable just jumping on a video call with somebody. So I really want to hear about what you do in your routine to keep your energy so high. I, I wish it was something I could teach. I think I came out of the womb pre-caffeinated. Uh, this is just, it's always how I am. Um, but I, I do try to capitalize on that. I, I do, when I'm having a conversation with someone and they help me feel like, like we're able to very quickly cut through the superficial and get down to the deep, I pay attention to the tactics and what the feeling was and, and how they did that. 
because that's how I want to be too. So I'm still learning to have conversations. I think we got, we all got a little bit socially awkward for the, the three years of the COVID pandemic by not leaving the basement. Uh, but it, it's something I'm trying to learn as well. Awesome, man. So what does your routine actually look like? What are you doing to maintain yourself, your mind and everything around you? So for me, working out is key. Uh, so first thing in the morning, that's what I'll do is go to the gym or go hop out on the, on the bike. Um, it doesn't even have to be a hard workout, but just something that gets the blood pumping. It primes my mind. Uh, I also make sure uh, this is more of a recent push. I used to be of the mindset that was like, go, 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 hustle, hustle, you know, make the dream work. Uh, but I, I understand the value of, of being rested. Um, just last week, I, I watched, you know, one day I got eight hours of sleep, one I got seven, one I got six, and one I got five. And I, I was just paying attention to my level of energy. And what was interesting on that day with only five hours of sleep, in the middle of the day, I got like so mentally exhausted that I couldn't even like choose my next tack task effectively. And I know if I could have just slept for an extra hour, I would, uh, I would have gotten all the way through, through the day. No problem. I would have been a lot more efficient. So allowing myself to, to trade those late night hours of productivity for sleep, they're going to make me more productive. the next day. Awesome, man. Is there anything that I should have asked you about LinkedIn personally, your business, anything that I missed? Nothing's come to mind. I, I want to try to think of something good, but I, you asked really good questions. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Well, I, I do want to end with this one. If you had to start completely from scratch with absolutely nothing but the knowledge you have, what steps would you take to get back on top? You know, I think I'd do exactly what I did to start this company. You know, at the time I had only marketing experience, no sales experience. And I was like, well, I guess I'm starting a company. Uh, I approached it as a marketer. You know, I, I didn't have any overhead. I had a laptop that I already owned and time on my hands. And so what I did is I, you know, obviously you start a business, you claim a name and, you know, get a domain address and all that. But after that, it was, okay, how can I provide enough value to the marketplace to get people's attention and to become, become well-known. Uh, I don't know if it's still offered, but Michael Stelzner from, from um, Social Media Examiner, he created a course called How to Become Well-Known or something like that. And I watched the course and I was like, oh my gosh, this is step for step exactly what it takes to become well-known. And he said it in much better words and much more effectively than than what I actually did, but I, I paid attention to all those steps. And I was like, yeah, I did a little bit of each one of those and definitely worked. So might be a good course for, for anyone if it's still uh, offered by Social Media Examiner to go and sign up for that course. Awesome, man. What's the best way for people to see more of you and get involved with you? I, I'm regularly sharing on LinkedIn. So if you go to linkedin.com, search for AJ Wilcox. I'm the chubby redhead guy. I'm pretty easy to spot. And uh, follow me. I, and you know, you'll obviously see tons of content coming out where I'm just openly teaching everything I know about LinkedIn ads for free. Uh, if you want to connect, just make sure you customize that connection message. Let me know that you heard me on Trey's show and, and I'll be happy to connect with you. But that's probably the best. Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Trey. Thank you. 
Thanks again for tuning in for another episode. Make sure that you subscribe to the show so you're never left out in the snow. Do you want to build a business or get more customers online? Are you tired of spending all your time shackled to your business? Tired of being treated like the court jester? Not anymore. You can get a care package from Trey today for just a buck that will help you beat shiny object syndrome with Trey's favorite tool list. Build your online authority and network with your own podcast and by being interviewed on other podcasts. Systemize your business with Trey's seven pillar system. Hire a VA to get your time back and so much more. You heard me right. All of that for less than the last Starbucks you got. Go to TreyCarmichael.us and get yours while it's hot. Check the couch for that dollar if you gotta.